and it's a blessing to see the young people come and and excited about that and and uh, looking forward to that. But I thank the Lord for our church and thank the Lord for our faithful people and and I really I'm very thankful for y'all uh, tonight. Luke chapter number five, Luke five. We we've been talking about this miracle that Jesus did. Uh, if you will, the great drought that he allowed to, to take place. And last week we talked about in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 4, where he told them to launch out into the deep and let down their nets. So he gave them two different commands. He told them to launch out, and then he told them to let their nets down. And uh, we looked at that aspect of it, how important it is as Christians that we trust the Lord uh, with our life and trust the Lord with what He says. Uh, sometimes, uh, as a Christian, uh, uh, it's not always the easiest thing is to be obedient. Uh, and sometimes it is difficult to be obedient. But again, it's one of those things, if we trust Him, uh, He told those disciples, launch out and drop down the net. So let's look at that tonight, verses number 4 through 11. And uh, let's read together Luke chapter 5, verse number 4. And now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, which is Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. And Simon answering and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. I love that statement of Peter there in that verse. He says, nevertheless, he said, I know we've been here all night, but nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And, uh, and when, this had, when they had, done, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that their net break. Hmm. Isn't that interesting that that would take place? And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so they began to sink. Uh, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, uh, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fish which, had they, which they had taken. And so was also James and John and the, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. Now, what I want to do is I want to take two simple, just a couple simple thoughts here tonight on this, three simple thoughts, if you will, on this thing, the great drop. So first of all, I want to look at the obedience, number one, if you will, uh, the obedience of the disciples. In verse number five, he, Simon, answering unto him, said, Master. You know, that puts himself in the right position to be able to follow. <coughs> I don't know uh, what all Simon Peter had known or what all Simon Peter had seen with his eyes, but he knew enough to call Jesus Master. He knew enough to call him Master. And you think about that. How, what causes a person to be able to call Jesus Master? Someone who brings himself under subjection of Jesus. He simply wanted to be obedient to his master. He said, yes, master. Uh, he recognized his position. His position needs to be right. And just as, as Christians, our position needs to be right. And what is our position? 
is Jesus is the master. You know, I might think that uh, things ought to go a different way, but Jesus says, well, things need to go this way. Well, who's the master? Uh, There's a song that says, I know the master of the wind. You know, he's the master of the rain and the wind and, and the storms and all those things that take place in our life. He's the master of it. And so I don't know exactly why or what, or, but he's the master. And we need to be in that right position. But then also you'll notice in verse number, in verse number five, he makes another statement uh, just about his obedience. He says, nevertheless, at thy word. He was willing to take Jesus at his word. So here it is. He's a professional fisherman. He's done this his whole life. Jesus was a carpenter because his daddy was a carpenter, right? Right. So in my mind, I envision Simon Peter out there at five, six, seven years old. Here he is with his daddy out there working on the nets and becoming a fisherman. And so he grows up and he becomes a fisherman because his daddy was a fisher. I don't know that to be for sure, but I would just venture to say that that's what took place. So you take Simon Peter, who's been a fisherman his whole life, and Jesus tells him, cast your nets out again. Peter says, wait a minute, we've been out here all night, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll trust you. Man, if that's not convicting to this preacher, at his word, at Jesus' word, I'll trust you. You know, a lot of times we'll read that scripture, ah, that's not what that means. No, we apply that and take the word of God and apply it to our heart. And that's really what it means. And hey, I'm trusting God with his word. Nevertheless, at thy word, okay, I'll throw those nets out. You know, he could have said, and with all of his, with his knowledge of fishing, well, Jesus, look, man, I mean, you're not a fisherman. So how in the world do you think that you're going to tell me where to put my net. And see, what Jesus tries to do with the Word of God, with the Bible, the Bible tries to instruct our lives on what we should do and how we should talk and what we should wear and where we should go and what we should drink and who should we hang around and all those. I mean, the Bible gives us all those things, does it not? Yes. Well, I know better with my life. And so I need to instruct my life to go certain direction. Is that how we do sometimes? But Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, Jesus wasn't a fisherman, but Jesus knew where to cast the net. That's right. And see, Jesus knows where our path needs to go. Jesus knows what direction we need to go. See, uh, Peter's obedience was prompt. Peter didn't look at Jesus and say, well, tomorrow we'll cast the net on the right side. No, Peter immediately said, okay, master, at your word, even though we've been out here all night, let me go get some rest. That's not what he said. He said, at thy word. It was prompt. It was immediate. Not only was it a a prompt, but it was visible. Everybody could see it. In verse number nine, for he was astonished at all that were with him and the draught of the fish which had they taken in. So all of these individuals saw Peter throw his net in. They watched Peter be obedient. Our children, our grandchildren, those who come behind us, do you know what they're watching? They're watching our obedience. They're watching uh, watching your steps that you take. Hey, when Peter was out there, it was a visible, they knew. They knew what Peter was doing was following Jesus' word because Peter believed in the master. It may look truly 
like nonsense to the world. But if we're truly doing what God wants us to do, that's all that matters. Can you imagine all the people on the shore who had seen Peter toiling there, who watched this all take place? What is that crazy man telling him to throw that net on the other side? The Bible tells us that we're peculiar people. Well, this world's going to look at us kind of strange sometimes because we live a certain life or do a certain thing or won't go certain places. Look, because it's against the Bible. But what did Peter do? He said, okay, I'll cast my net on the other side. Just because Jesus said to. So some, well, we need to be obedient. When his obedience was visible, our obedience is visible. But I will say this as well. Not only is our obedience visible, but our disobedience is just as visible. If Peter would have looked at Jesus and said, no, I'm keeping my net on the boat, everybody would have saw that too. They watched as Peter dipped that net in the water. Just like everyone will watch me be disobedient. My children will watch me be disobedient to Christ. I can't hide from my children. We might be able to hide some things from some people, but my children know. My children know. They know it. Well, it's visible. His obedience was prompt. His obedience was visible. His obedience was complete. What do you mean? He did it all the way to the uttermost extent. Whatsoever you told me to do, let's do it. Do you know what we need to do? That same obedience. Whatsoever the Lord tells us to do, do it to the uttermost. All the way till it's completely done. With my children, I know that they're probably the same way with you guys. If I've told my children to take out the trash and they pull the trash, my job at the house is to take out the trash. So that's what my wife tells me anyways. But, <laughs> right? Uh, my job, okay? So let's just take, for instance, say I tell my children to take out the trash and they're to take the trash bag and go throw it in the trash can. So if they take the trash and they throw it in front, of the, in front of my steps at my house, have they completed the task? No, they did not. Did they, were they obedient to some extent? Yes, they were. They grabbed the trash out of the trash can, but they did not complete the task to the end. What do you mean by that, Brother Trenton? I mean this. When Peter was told to throw out the net, he threw out the net. He didn't hold back some of the net. He didn't keep some of it. Well, Jesus, he doesn't really know what he's talking about. I'll just throw a little bit out there. He threw it all out there because he wanted to complete the task. His obedience was complete. Our obedience needs to be complete. Number one, tonight in this story of the miracle, we see obedience. But I do believe this. Without that obedience, he doesn't catch. He doesn't have the benefit because look in verse number four, before we move on to the next one, which is the benefit, but verse number four, Jesus promises to him, he says, let down your nets for a what? For a draught. Sometimes we have to take a step of obedience for Christ to give us the promise. What's the promise? Bible tells what one of the verses that we like is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, is trust the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thine own way. 
our own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. We want the Lord to direct our paths, but we're not willing to take that step of obedience, which is to acknowledge Christ in all of our things and lean not into our understanding. And all of those steps allow the Lord to direct our paths. Peter, his, his promise was, you throw your net in the water, I'll fill it up. But he had to be obedient to throw his net in the water. So his obedience, number two, brought the benefit. Verse number six and verse number seven and when they had done this, when they had this done, when they threw the whole net in the water, they enclosed a great multitude of fish. And in verse number six, the Bible says, and their net break. So here it is that he threw the net out and it began to break. It begins to break all over the place. Now, their net did not completely break all the way or else they wouldn't have been able to catch the fish. But that net began to break. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above that which we ask or think according to his power that worketh in us. What does that mean? That means that Christ can give us abundantly more than we could ever even begin to imagine. Peter, I know, when Peter left that net out in the water, there's no way in his mind that he's thinking, well, I'll just catch some fish because he told me to catch some fish. There's no way in his mind that he thought he was going to bring so much fish in that it was going to begin to break his nets. And he's, a, he's a professional fisherman, so how many net, how much fish would it take to break a net? I mean, it wasn't like a little, little net that we use to catch crab, right? This was a professional fishing net. This was a handcrafted fishing net. And it began to break the net in which Peter had survived his income on, and it began to break his net because Christ did above, abundantly above that which Peter could even begin to ask. It broke their net so much that they couldn't bring in the fish. And so what they have to do, they had to call in their partners. In verse number seven, the Bible says, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. What is this? They had to get other partners. So here they are, they've got their boat out there, their net is beginning to break, and fish are beginning to scatter, and he says, hey, we need some help over here. we got to get these fish caught. And so here comes this other boat, and he scoots closer to them, and they begin to get these fish, and they put them on the boat, and the boats begin to sink because there's so much fish. That's a lot of fish. That's a lot of fish. <laughs> But the Bible says that he'll do abundantly above that which we can even begin to ask. Hey, do you know what? We need to use our partners. What do you mean our partners? We have partners in this thing. We're not alone in this deal. As a church, we're not alone in this deal. There's other gospel preaching churches in this area. They're our partners. They're not our enemies. They're not against us. They're for us. Hey, we have missionaries that we support. Do you know what they are? They're our, mission, they're our partners in this thing. So we can gather those fish. Without the partner, they would have never been able to get all that fish. The nets begin to break and they couldn't bring them in. And without partners, hey, how do we do this? How do we, how do we reach the whole world? By partnering with people to reach, the, reach people with the gospel. So who do you partner with? People that are doctrinally just like us. 
That's who you partner with. So that we can reach the, gospel, reach the world with the gospel. This benefit began to break their net. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 9, he said, for we are laborers together with God, and ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. Other Christians are not our enemy. They're not. We're in this together. They begin to sink. I don't know how much fish it would take to sink. My friend and I, my best friend and I, when growing up as a kid, we decided to see how much water it would take to sink our canoe. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. We, we buried that canoe in the water. Thankfully, we was only in like waist-deep water, okay? But we were kids. I mean, we were like 12, I don't know, 10, 12 years old. We decided we'd see how much water it'd take to sink, sink our canoe. It didn't take much because the, 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 the canoe began to sink. But all it took was too much weight on those ships, and the ships began to sink in the water. And, but I will say this, that God, in His wisdom, and all that took place that, at that point, He did not let those fish go to waste. He didn't waste those fish that He caught. Those fish, those, those ships didn't sink because Christ didn't let it sink. Now, you say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in verse number 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, he allowed them to take this ship that were sinking, that were full of fish, and brought them to land. How did he get them on land? Jesus did it. Hmm. Now, number one is their obedience. Number two was the benefit of their obedience. But then number three is the last one, and I'm done, is the result from the miracle. What took place after the miracle? In verse number 8, Peter looks at what Christ has done, looks at how these nets begin to break, looks how these, how these ships begin to sink, and what does he say in verse 8? And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter understood who he was. My mind goes to, what is it, Isaiah 56 or Isaiah 65? I can't remember which, which one it is. I, it, may, it may not be either one of those, but when, when Isaiah says, woe is me, for I am undone, for I'm an unclean lips. Listen, Peter realized at that point that when he called him master, he truly was master. And he was God, the son. And so he bowed before him. He said, look, I, I'm a wicked man. I'm a sinner. He, he, he said, oh no. He said, I'm a sinful man. <coughs> he fell down at the feet of Jesus. And when we realize who we are, when we realize who we are, then Christ can use us. When Peter realized who he was, when he made himself available to the master, the master said, come on, let's go. Verse number, uh, verse number 9, we already read that they were astonished. Verse number 10, and also so was James and John and then the sons of Zebedee which were with him. Peter and Andrew and James and John, that's who was there. Jesus tells them some things after this has taken place. So, so what, what was the result of all this miracle? Peter falls on his face before the Lord. But verse number 10, Jesus tells him, he says, to fear not. Don't fear. Fear not. Hey, I'm just Jesus. I'm Jesus. Fear not. 
But then he says now, he says in verse number 10, he said, thou shalt catch men. He said, you're done catching fish. You're done being a fisherman. You're going to follow me and you're going to catch fish. That's what he wanted. I catch men. What does it mean by catch men? To be a soul winner. To be someone who is seeking after men for Christ that they would get saved and get the gospel. That's what the result was. That these men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, would do that. Now, two last thoughts and I'll be done. That result of that miracle, Jesus spoke to Peter and James and John and Andrew. Verse number 11, Jesus asked them, let's, let's go catch men. And verse number 11, a very strong statement here. The Bible says two different things. Number one is they forsook all. What does that mean? That means they left it behind. That means they left the fish that they just caught, that big draught, that big money maker that they just made. They left it behind. The job, they left it behind. The ship, they left it behind. The nets, they left it behind. Their families, they left it behind. To follow who? Jesus. They forsook all, number one. Then it says they followed him. Who's that? Who'd they follow? Jesus. Jesus. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What does Christ have for me? That I would follow Him. See, this miracle that Christ did brought Peter to Him. And it allowed Peter to forsake everything he had to follow Jesus and followed him. So I ask you a couple questions, I'm done. Where's our obedience? Are we willing to follow the Lord? Forsake all. Man, that's a tough decision. To forsake everything and follow the Lord? That's a tough decision. Forsake and follow. Because there's things in our life that will get in our way if we don't forsake them. I believe Hebrews 12 talks about, uh, I think it's verse number one, let us run the race that's set before us and let's lay aside the weight that does so easily beset us. You know, sometimes that weight is something that we need to forsake. So it doesn't weigh us down so we can run the race that God wants for us. Because God's not done with us. So, anyway, let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help me.